Jesus is enough. Welcome. You are listening to Grace Walk Radio. I'm Derek Lewandowski, and I'm here with my co-host, Caleb Burke. Now, I'm a, I'm a bit disappointed, and I didn't even do my trademark intro. Yeah, your howdy. Where's your howdy? I, I, I don't feel like I can give a howdy because that was in English. Oh, because I, I didn't say it in a different language. You didn't say it in a different language. Oh, I've, I've let you down, my friend. <laughs> I'm going to withhold my howdy well, listen, until uh, we get a different language. Our last, our last uh, episode was about forgiveness, Caleb. I'll have to go listen to it. Yeah, <laughs> you, got, you got to forgive me, brother. Yeah, it's been a it's been a crazy day. I'm running from one thing to the next, and I I neglected to translate Jesus is enough into a different language. Yeah, you know I, I'll forgive you because we can't hold grudges against one another, and uh, so this is for this is for those who are listening. But howdy, thank you, Caleb. That was that was out of just. Just out of love for, for people. Yes, that's right. Well, good because Ujesu Sequanele. That is Zulu. Oh, okay. Or they, you know what they might say? Ujesu Sequanele. Jesus is enough in Zulu. Okay. I, I also know a Zulu song. Okay. And I'll stop. It means we are walking in the light of God. Now, now it's a small world because uh, back in the church that I grew up in, we actually used to sing that song. You're kidding. In English or Zulu? Both, but I guarantee you it wasn't it wasn't accurate in Zulu wow. <laughs> the way we did it. <laughs> now we heard it from a missionary, okay. and we did our best attempt at singing it in Zulu as well as singing it in English. Uh, but I do remember that song, so interesting. Isn't it amazing how things come back around? It is it is it is? Well, Jesus is enough, and we are walking in the light of God. Um, we are still deep into the quarantine period of the COVID-19 crisis that we are all facing as a society. Um, Caleb, what, what are your thoughts now? You know, where, where are you at and, you know, what, kind of what are you seeing and what are you seeing in the church right now? Not just not necessarily our church, but the church. Sure. Um, you know, it's it's been encouraging um, with with a few minor bumps in the road, as we've seen. Uh, the different reactions and responses, but <clears throat> excuse me, for the most part, I would say that it's been encouraging to see, you know, the amount of good gospel content uh, that has been going out as people seem to have discovered, you know, the various ways that they can communicate the gospel, whether it's on Facebook or Twitter. You know, I was, I was actually looking at um, earlier today, multiple people have kind of used these moments to maybe launch something that they had talked about for years or thought about doing. Um, one of the guys in our church, uh, Tom McArdle has launched a YouTube channel. Well, his, his YouTube channel was out there for a while, but he's, he's making videos as he talks about the grace of God. He calls it grace notes. 
he mm. kind of ties in some of his musical, um, you know, creativeness and, and all that with, with his love for the gospel. And um, so I've, I've seen a lot of that and it's been encouraging. And I think we always have this thought that um, we're going to, we're going to accomplish a lot when, when we have this type of a, a, a break from whatever our normal routine and some have and, and others haven't. And uh, I'll be honest, I'm one of those who probably hasn't um, accomplished everything that I wanted to. But, you know, just a reminder, there's grace for that, too. If, if, if you don't feel like you've accomplished everything you want to, you're, you're still a child of God. There's no condemnation. And uh, so, you know, take it a day at a time. If you use it to try something new, great. If it's as simple as sharing some Bible verses with some friends, praise God. Yeah, you know, I, I'm constantly reminding um, myself and my family, you know, when when we have a, I don't know, when the day goes sideways or, you know, my wife uh, and I both went through some health issues the last few weeks uh, unrelated to COVID-19. Um, but, you know, she had a terrible reaction to poison ivy and the secondary infection. And then, you know, I had a diverticulitis episode and just reminding my family this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. And just to see that scripture through the eyes of God's sovereignty, you know, like he made this day, he made the events of this day. He made this season. He made this moment. He made the highs and the lows. None of it is meaningless. He's, he's sovereign in it all. And remembering that can be deeply comforting and, and can, you know, bring, it can bring joy into our hearts, even in the most mundane I just survived it kind of a day, you know, just that's yeah. where theology becomes very relevant. When we believe that it really does shape our hearts. Yeah, that's good. So uh, this is the day the Lord has made. And we're glad that you joined us here to listen to this podcast. We want to talk about depression. Um, and I have seen people struggling a lot uh, as this crisis has lingered. We're seeing people struggle more and more with uh, mental health issues and depression. And, you know, I think even before this crisis, I think it's a very common thing that, you know, people face situations that cause depression or inexplicable depression, just depression that comes and blindsides you. You don't know why you woke up and you have the blues. You don't know why you woke up and said, oh no, another day. But we want to talk about that, you know, through the lens of the gospel. The mission of this show is to talk about living under grace in a modern world, and to talk about the gospel and belief in practice. And so this is an area that is not untouched by the gospel. The gospel speaks to it. Uh, the good news of grace ministers to us when we are in depression, no matter if it's mild, moderate, or severe. Uh, the gospel has answers for us. It has guideposts for us. It has wisdom for us. It has life for us. And so, Caleb, I think this is a uh, this is a you know important thing to talk about in the modern world, even apart from this crisis that we're going through right now. Yeah, and you know one of the things that I would mention for those who maybe don't feel necessarily uh, like this is affecting them right now, um, listen listen through this episode, and if there's any to follow after it, because it is something that, sadly enough, can strike you. At, at various times and, and different ways. And I myself kind of walked through um, at least a bout of anxiety a few years back. Um, that actually ended up with me 
having to take medication for some heart stuff. And, um, you know, just, I, I guess I struggled with it, but I never expected to. So that's just my encouragement. Like, you know, listen through this because it's, it's, it's medicine, even if you're not battling it right now. Yeah. And, um, uh, the way I want to lay this out is, uh, I want to start by sharing a little bit of my testimony. Appreciate you, you know, what you just shared about yours. Then I want to lay out some things that were helpful to me, uh, in the midst of depression and some of the things the Lord taught me from his word, uh, in the midst of depression that kind of helped me walk through that. And, and I'll start by saying, you know, I, I grew up probably a guy that, um, had a, I don't know, a delusional view of uh, how a Christian ought to feel. I think sometimes we promise things the gospel doesn't promise. Um, And what I mean by that is the gospel says, sin shall not be your master. Amen. You shall reign in life. You're more than conquerors. Amen. And it says, for you are not under law, but under grace. But the fact that sin shall not be our master doesn't mean that we don't struggle with sin or the effects of sin in this life, in the in-betweens that we're in right now. And, uh, you know, I, I think if, if you asked me when I was, uh, you know, young in ministry, what do you think of depression? I'd be like, well, Jesus wasn't depressed. I mean, Christians shouldn't be depressed. Mm-hmm. And, and now I, that, that just seems so naive and um, just lacks uh, understanding and lacks a a whole view of scripture. I mean, just look throughout scripture. Some of God's greatest saints went through times of severe depression. I mean, Jeremiah, uh, David, um, you know, Asaph. I mean, you could say Peter went through a time of, of depression with, you know, after his denial, um, Paul, the apostle, you know, not totally sure what his trial was in second Corinthians 12, but it was severe. I mean, it was weighty. It was, it, it crushed his spirit. So, um, I think we need to have a, we need to have an accurate view of what the gospel promises in this time of the in-betweens that we're in. We're saved. We're being saved. We shall be saved. And understand that because we're in a broken world, because we're in a fractured world, um, there are sins, right, that we commit that we ought to repent of, but there's also effects of sin. Um, other sins can break into your life and cause offense or, or hurts or pains or, or, uh, damage to your, you know, to you physically, emotionally, spiritually, economically, you know, other sins can affect you. And then, uh, the effects of sin in our own lives can, you know, can deeply affect us anxiety and, you know, and depression and, you know, discouragement, all those things. It's, it's all an effect of being in a fallen world, right? So the gospel's the answer yeah. for all of it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it makes me initially think of just the traditional response to someone going through depression that I've seen growing up in the church or maybe at least felt myself before walking through this was to immediately go, oh, they need to confess that and and get over it. You know, what a short sighted, uh, (laughs) terrible view of it, because you can feel the effects of sin. Um, and, and battle something. And for me to sit there and say just, oh, you just need to get over it and repent. Like that's, that's just such a harsh view of it. Uh, yeah. I like how you word that. It, it could just be an effect of sin, you know? 
Yeah, and I think the promise of the gospel is that it doesn't have to master us, right? So even though it, yeah. there's no condemnation in struggling, there's no condemnation in the temptation, um, but the gospel promise is, is not that it will necessarily be vanquished in this life, but that it won't master us and we can rise above it through grace, through the Spirit, through the power of the Word of God at work in the soul. Uh, we really can rise above it to a place where it's not our master anymore. And, and that's my testimony, really. I, um, I don't know. Oftentimes in Scripture, people are known more by their afflictions than their successes. You know, doubting Thomas, mm. right? Yeah. The blind man Bartimaeus. If I was known by my affliction, I would be, uh, you know, in my younger years, I would be Derek the afraid, Derek the anxious, Derek the depressed. Um, and I would say the depression came as a result of the anxiety I struggled with. And um, my story, and, and I'll keep it brief, um, you know, I've shared it often over the years. It's, you know, I, it's encouraged a lot of people. I think that people who go through uh, soul trials and in, in wilderness times, it really is encouraging to talk about it because it, a lot of people struggle with those things and it can really connect and, and relate to a lot of people. And, and I, I liken it to the man with the withered hand when Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, you know, I want to be healed. And Jesus said, stretch out your withered hand. And it was when the man stretched it out that he was healed. And so I think, I think we need to be willing to stretch out our withered hands and, and talk about the ugly parts of our story and, and our, you know, the ugly, even parts of our struggles and weaknesses that will, you know, help encourage other people. So, yeah, I was, I was involved in ministry, uh, traveled all over the country uh, with several different ministries uh, right out of, right out of um, college. Uh, my wife and I started a music ministry called Remnant, and it was a Northeast-based uh, music, worship, evangelistic ministry. We traveled you know, to college campuses and, and youth events. And then we joined a band called Harvest in Texas for a couple of years. And, and, um, and when we were in Harvest, it was very much like a, uh, there, there was a lot of um, effort made through prayer and fasting to achieve revival. And um, we never achieved it. Not only that, you know, at the time I was there, we went through a lot of, um, uh, there was a lot of negative things that happened. And, um, you know, I, I hope the Lord's brought everybody through all that. Uh, but the bottom line is I, I probably would have considered myself back in those years. I'm going back to the year 2000, a champion of spiritual disciplines. You know, I, I, I read the Bible, you know, every day and reading the Bible through in a year. And I, I got up early to pray. I, I fasted once a week. I tried to tell at least one person about Christ every day. And, and um, and yet those things to me uh, controlled the, the climate of my heart. If I, if I succeeded in accomplishing those things, then um, I would feel good temporarily. But like the old uh, Ed Sullivan show act where the guy got on the stage and spun like nine, 10 or 11 plates and tried to keep them all spinning. Eventually the plates, you know, started falling. And um, by the end of the year, 2000, I ended up uh, struggling with anxiety that I thought I'd, I'd beaten, you know, that I'd struggled with in my youth. You know, I was now in my, my late 20s, uh, looking, at, looking 30 in the face, and um, I just began to struggle with terrible anxiety, irrational fears, um, and spiritual burnout. 
um, I felt in some ways disenfranchised with um, my religion. You know, I, I felt like I've, I've worked so hard and, you know, if anybody was to find revival through spiritual disciplines and religious effort, I would have found it. And, and yet here I was feeling farther away from God uh, than when I started. And yet I was never working as hard in my entire spiritual life as I was working at that time. And, and um, that was the end of the year 2000. And I thought, well, I'll just kind of endure through this and, you know, maybe I'll get better. Maybe I just need a break. Maybe I need, you know, kind of the holiday rest. But I entered the year 2001 um, just feeling spiritually broken, almost like I had been in a spiritual uh, car wreck. And the anxiety Mm. intensified, and so did the depression to the point where it became debilitating and severe. And I ended up being diagnosed by, you know, my family physician with severe depression. He gave me antidepressant pills. Um, I chose not to take them. Uh, not that I have any condemnation for anyone who does, but I, I sort of concluded, well, uh, I would rather um, feel organically terrible than synthetically good. So if I'm going to take this journey, uh, I want to know when I'm actually doing good and, and when I'm, you know, when I'm not. And um, thank you, FedEx guy just dropped off something at the door. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I decided to take this journey. And, and at the time, I, I was still delusional thinking I could, I could pull myself up, you know, through my spiritual disciplines. And I, I, I just concluded, well, I just need to do more of what I've already been doing. You know, I've already been praying and fasting and uh, giving myself to spiritual disciplines. This is God's way of of making me up my game and, you know, I'm going to be a spiritual hero. Then he's going to drive me deeper into, you know, my prayer life and my, my spiritual disciplines. And, and not that, obviously not that those things are bad, but if your motive in doing those things is to earn righteousness or to put God in your debt or to earn your healing, then folks, that is straight up legalism. And that's exactly how I thought. I thought I could, I could fix this. And Caleb, on and on and on it went until I found myself in a dark hole. I, I tried to go to the office and, and work. I would have such terrible panic attacks. Uh, pains in my stomach eventually turned into insomnia, um, terrible headaches. Uh, I thought I was going crazy. And probably if I went to a you know, professional psychiatrist at the time, I probably would have been diagnosed with a number of conditions, but I, I was even scared of that. I didn't want to be put in a, uh, in a mental hospital. Um, even though not that there's any condemnation for anyone who goes there. I just, I didn't want to, I didn't want to go down that path. So I decided to suffer alone. My, uh, ministry board at the time, I, I, I was not on a local church staff ministry. I was, uh, you know, traveling in ministry, my ministry board, which included my local church pastor encouraged me to take time off from ministry. So there I was, Shades pulled, you know, living as a prisoner inside my own head, struggling through multiple panic attacks every day. It would be so embarrassing at times. I'd have to go and lock myself in my room so my kids wouldn't see me, my little kids or my wife. And I'd put my face in my pillow and I'd clench my teeth and my fists and I'd say, you know, God, where are you? You know, why, why have you left me? Why, why can't I be healed? And it just went on and on and on and on. And long story short, I decided to go on a 21 day, uh, food fast. I, I kept drinking juice and, but, um, I, you know, I lost a lot of weight. 
my eyes were sunken in my head. I ended up losing 40 pounds uh, from where I was at the beginning of my journey. And uh, I mean, people, people were scared for me. And on day 20, I was no closer to my healing than I was at the beginning. And I was quite honestly, Caleb, I was mad at God. And I'm like, I, you know, you betrayed me. I, 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 I've tried to, I've tried to do what your word says I ought to do to heal myself and I'm not healed. And, and, and it doesn't look like there's any end in sight in this terrible trial of anxiety disorder and, and severe depression. And, and um, it was one of those moments where it was like, it's like the Lord said, so you're done. I'm like, yeah, I'm done. I'm done. Yeah, that's it. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done trying all these religious, you know, religious efforts, these jumping through these hoops to try to fix myself. And it was almost like the Lord was saying, almost smiling, like he knew something I didn't. And he was like, good. (laughs) What do you mean? Good. Well, now you've got one thing left. Well, what's that? And it was like the Lord said, me, himself. And I thought, you know, there is a difference, isn't there? There's a difference between trying to get God to heal you through your own works and efforts and, and righteousness and, 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 and religion. And when you finally let go and say, I can't, I don't have any resources in my hands, not even spiritual uh, fervor and zeal. I have nothing in my hands to fix myself. There's, this is all entirely in God's hands. And once yeah. I, once I kind of had that moment, I was like, all right, the strange piece for the first time, this pinprick of light came in and it was like, okay, this is in God's hands. Now, if I die, at least I die in God's hands. If I live, it's going to be because of God, but I'm, I'm out of effort and energy and strength to try. And now th- just so you know, this was like yeah. in July of 2001. So this is about eight months into the trial. And, um, I remember I was sitting there in my recliner in my living room and I had a TV stand next to me with a lamp on it and my Bible. I reached over and I grabbed my Bible. I just flipped it open and my eyes fell on Colossians 2.10, which says, you are complete in Christ. That's part of the verse. And that verse struck me. It was like, I am complete. You are complete in him. I did not feel complete. I thought, up to that point, I thought I had to do something to complete myself. And there was such a, a past tenseness, a uh, finishedness of the, of the statement. Yeah. And I thought, well, I don't feel complete, but it says I'm complete. And I just began to flip through the epistles and, and I just saw how many times Paul used the word grace. And, and I thought, I'm not sure I grasped the, the magnitude of how he's using it here. I mean, no offense to women, but grace to me was a, was a, a girl's word. It was a, it was a sissy word. You know, I mean, I named my daughter Grace, not my son. Right. So <laughs> I, I don't know. I just, it, it didn't seem like it had teeth, uh, but the way Paul was using it, it had muscle and teeth and power that I was not grasping at the time. And it was that moment that I, I started a journey of just, I decided I'm going to study grace until I get it. And I, I decided to yeah. part with all the spiritual disciplines, these stupid little <laughs> laws and rules that I put on myself to, you know, kind of put me in God's good favor every day. I threw all those off and I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start a desire-driven 
prayer life and a desire-driven word life. If I want to study it, I'm going to study it. If I don't, I'm, I, I won't. And I'm not going to pray what I came across a, a quote from, uh, maybe this will be our quote of the day from C.S. Lewis, who said, uh, a man not, ought not pray what should be in his heart, but what is in his heart. And um, I decided to use that principle in prayer. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray what's actually in my heart. And I started being honest with God and, and it was scary, but healthy. And um, I'll talk about that maybe in a future podcast. Looks like this is going to be a multiple part podcast, but um, <laughs> yeah. So I started to study grace and, and over the next six to nine months, it was like, you know how like after a, a moonless night, when the sun starts coming up, the black sky turns like light pink and orange. That's kind of what it was like mm-hmm. for me. Like it wasn't like I was immediately fixed of depression. It was a slow descent into it and a slow ascent out of it. But God's word began to heal me as I began to see not what I needed to do, but what was done and how to apply that, and what that meant and how I ought to think as a, as a redeemed, loved person in Christ. And, and Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And that's my story, Caleb. It was like, the gospel yeah. saved me and healed me and the power of God in it and the power of his spirit at work in it absolutely uh, rescued me out of that. And it, it took a long time. I would say in all, I was in that trial. The most severe part of it was probably about, uh, lasted about uh, 18 months. Um, but in all, I was, I was in that season from 2001 through 2005, really struggling in and out of depression. But the Lord taught me how to walk. He taught me how to come back to the rock and stand on it. And, um, you know, when the, when the storms would buffet me and, uh, man, yeah. uh, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing today. Right. That's why we're doing what we're doing now. That's why Grace Life Church exists as far as my part in it is because of the, the beauty and the glory of grace that came into my heart during that time. And, and the Lord brought me out of depression. And there's a lot of things I'd like to share in in future weeks, uh, about even some of the practical parts of this, but, I wanted to start with my testimony and just say, ultimately, it was the Lord Jesus Christ. It was the power of the uh, the power of God in the gospel. It was the power of the Holy Spirit that rescued me. Amen. So, uh, yeah, we're we're deep into this podcast now. Uh, uh, we're going to make this a multi part uh, podcast. Honestly, it'll probably end up being three episodes um, at least. So um, maybe we'll stop here today and. Um, and uh, close in prayer. Caleb, maybe you could close this in prayer. And, you know, I, I just want people to be thinking about um, thinking about the offer of the gospel and the, what, what, what healing the gospel does invite us to as we go on a journey with God in his word. Now, I just want people to, to begin taking that journey of faith in the gospel. Sure. Father, we just thank you right now. Lord, for your grace, we thank you. Lord, of all the things that you you offer us in the gospel, life and liberty, satisfaction in you, all the things that the world just comes up empty, uh, we find in you, Lord. And I ask that you would just reveal yourself to those who are listening, who are struggling right now. Lord, that you would reveal your grace to them. Uh, in, in hearing Derek's testimony, that they would their hearts would just be awakened to to see your grace and to trust in you, Lord. Um, 
and that they would find hope in the gospel, that they would find all of their answers in Christ, not in, in other things, not in continuing, continuing to uh, kind of cycle through the religious you know, rigors and, and uh, things that we set up for ourselves, Lord, but uh, that we would find our hearts landing securely in you, Lord. Father, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for what you've done in Derek and that he's able to share that with those uh, who might be struggling right now, Lord. We ask that you would just bless those who are hearing it, open their eyes to see and their ears to hear, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thanks for listening today, folks. Um, you, know, you can uh, follow us on uh, Grace Walk Radio on Twitter, Grace Walk Radio on Instagram, and uh, uh, tell, tell somebody about it. You know, if this show encourages you, let somebody know about it and um, and, you know, help us by leaving a review uh, on uh, on uh, Apple Podcasts or, or one of the podcast sites. So thanks for listening. And until next week, Jesus is enough. <laughs>